today I want to talk to you guys. I think, am I, am I tracking here? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I've got a sinus infection, I'm, so I'm a little, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a little hopped up on Sudafed and garlic and euchanasia and nettle leaf and some other things. And, and I'm mixing the holistic with, you know, the fast acting. So whatever I might say to you, just, hey, filter it for about 30 days and we'll, we'll come back and swing back around and talk about it. The, uh, I, I don't know about you guys. You know, Darren's been speaking uh, this great sermon last week and um, just on James. And, and James is a book about, you know, navigating life in a hostile world. In fact, most of the New Testament is about navigating life in a hostile world. And today I'm going to talk to you about how do we navigate life in a culture that doesn't believe that doesn't believe in, in this Jesus we talk about in general. I, I, you know, I, I'm 43, and uh, I, I can tell you that I can't recall any, any time in the history of my life when our country is more confused and more divided and more at odds. Now, my granddaddy said that, too, you know, and my daddy said that about the country he grew up in. And, but I just know that the country that I was born in is not the country that I live in. And I think we could all say that. And some of that's good, and some of that's not good. Um, but it is a divided country, and I, but I do want you to know this. And we're in an election year. I'm so ready for this thing to be over. Um, oh my gosh. But I want you guys to know something. Nothing that we're experiencing today, culturally, theologically, politically, none of it's new. None of it's new. It changes faces, it changes names, it changes eras, but none of it's new. And that's why the Lord gave us this. When you navigate life in a, in a hostile world spiritually, that trailer you just watched, I mean, listen, you know, when we live in a world, then, then it's tough. It can be very easy to get consumed with that stuff. So I want you to turn um, to the book of Ephesians. I hope you got your Bible. Um, and and uh, if you don't know where that's at, it's okay. It's a start in the middle. Go to the right. You'll hit it. And uh, General Electric Power Company, G, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right. Um, so here's what happens. In Philippi, I mean, in, uh, in Ephesians, Paul is basically saying this. He spends, we're not going to read it, but the first couple of chapters, so I'm going to give you the, the 22nd, you know, the Twitter version of the backstory of what's going on in Ephesians. Paul is telling these Christians, you used to be this way because you weren't a believer in Jesus, and now you're this way. Paul is a master teacher of before and after, compare, contrast. If you look at that theme in all of his books, you'll notice that that is a big theme. Not this way, but this way. Used to be this way, now you're this way. Well, you had all these people that were once Gentiles, that's Bible word for not Jesus followers, and now they're Jesus followers. So he, he's talking in the chapter one about them being ransomed in this holy people who were once far away from God and now they're near. And he's, and he's showing them this, this amazing life that he's proving their ransom, okay? That's what he's doing. And then, then he gets uh, to Ephesians 4, and he says in verse 1, Ephesians 4, verse 1, therefore. Now, when Paul says therefore, just know this. It means, okay, because of everything I just said, 
all right? Because everything I just told you about who you are now, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which, which you were called. Live it, be it. That's what he's saying. And then we're gonna pick it up in verse 17. Here we go. He says, so I say this to you and I affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles, the, the people outside of Christ walk in the futility of their mind. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them because of the hardness of their heart. In other words, their heart was hard, therefore they will not receive anything spiritual about who the Lord is and therefore he's saying you used to be that don't be that anymore right and so he says and they have become callous they have been getting themselves over to sensuality practicing every kind of impurity with greediness he says with greediness but he then he says to them he says but you did not learn Christ this way right you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't learn Christ this way. You didn't learn Christ this way. He said, if indeed you have heard of him, I think I'm just going to stay with the screen. Um, let me go back one. Yeah. But you didn't learn Christ this way. If indeed you have heard of him and been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on a new mind. Put on the new self, see, old and new, which is in the likeness of God, which has been created in holiness and in truth. So how do we, how do we operate in a culture that is only increasingly more unlike what God is asking us to be? Well, let me tell you. There's, a, there's probably 30 things, 40 things. And there's, there's things I'm, that, that you would teach me on today and tell me, man, we, we should do this or we should do that. But I can tell you this. In times where, uh, where, where, where life gets to be complex, parenting gets to be complex, when you don't always know what to do or, or, or what the case might be, let me tell you what I found that typically works for me. Draw it down to simplicity. Get the basics in front of you and reorient. My dad's a retired PGA golf pro. When I was young, growing up in the game, every time my swing would go south, you know what we would do? No lie. We would start with the grip, the place that you touch the club. Okay, let's check your grip. Okay, grip's fine. Let's check your stance and your alignment. Okay, your GAP, grip, alignment, posture. Let's go back to the very foundation of the house and let's just check things. When things get a little haywire, go back and look at some basics. And today, that's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to tell you that the first thing I would encourage you to do is know your landscape. When it comes to living out life in a, in a world that doesn't believe, know your landscape. You know, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but, but every time, I mean... I've gotten to a place now where I, I, I can't even really watch the news. I just get mad, you know? I, I don't believe anybody anymore. I don't believe CNN, I sure don't believe CNN. I don't believe a lot of stuff on Fox. I don't believe stuff in the middle. I don't believe stuff halfway left, halfway right. You know why? Because see, in the days of my granddad and Walter Cronkite, they just reported news. This is what happened. 
They don't report what happened. We want to tell you what we want to happen. So there's always this massive agenda behind every news network. And, and so I, it's, it's tough to know what to believe. And I can look at that stuff and I can get pretty mad. And, and I have to understand that this world, listen to me, this world is not my home. You hearing me? That's hope, isn't it? This world is not my home. I love how Peter starts his, his book. First verse of, of 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens. I love that. You know what he's saying? This world's not my home, man. This world is not my home. I don't live here. I'm just walking through this place. Keep it simple. Know your landscape. Let me tell you something. Jesus, you guys. I mean, you know, I got to think about this the other day because Tucker, our, our, our youngest son, <clears throat> he was telling me uh, the other night when I was tucking him in, he said, uh, hey, Daddy, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they faced a fire. I said, I did not know that. Tell me about it. And he, he would talk to me about that idea. And, you know, when he, after he went to bed, I thought, you know, it's interesting. We hear those stories. We grow up with those stories, and they're awesome, and God is faithful, and Daniel's in the lion's den, and then the veggie tales come along, you know, and then and we listen. The reality is, no, that happened, and it's going to keep happening. The lion's den's going to keep happening. I think what happened with ISIS when, when all of America saw, you know, the first dude standing over the guy with the knife and then they're taking cages and putting people who confess to be Christian, putting them in a cage and sinking them in a lake. I think we got a quick reminder that there are people, today's 9-11, we got a quick reminder that there are people walking this planet that want me dead because not just of who I am, because of what I believe. See, Jesus wasn't joking, you guys. This, this, this whole New Testament, especially this New Testament, this world is not our home. And if you look, there's elements almost in every book of, of us. How do we live out this life, right? Because now we're in a culture, right? We're in a culture. Know your landscape. We're, we're in a culture, if you look at it, that... That we don't know what to believe anymore. And, and, and now our culture, the way we live it, everything's relative. Everything's relative. That, that's where we are. I mean, 50, 60 years ago, you know, truth, was, a lot of truth wasn't up for debate. Now you hear phrases like this. Well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Listen, that's just stupid. All right? Let me tell you why it's stupid. All right? There's a white oak tree on, on this playground out here. Big white oak tree. If you take yourself and you run headfirst into that white oak tree, it is going to hurt you. Now, you can back off from that white oak tree and you can say, well, that might be true for you, Jason, but it's not really true for me. Well, then run your hind end up against that white oak tree and see what happens. It's going to hurt, right? I call that horse sense. My granddaddy taught me that. Some things are true, son, whether you want them to be true or not. So, so how do we live in this world where now you are the authority? Folks, play this stuff out that you're hearing every day on the news. If you're your own authority, oh my gosh, we're in trouble, right? I get the privilege of speaking at churches all across the nation 
I get to see churches that are big, small, medium, all denominations. I get to meet all kinds of pastors and all these things. And I can tell you this. Now, what pastors in my generation did as you track church history over time is that, you know, I mean, I'm just going to use just my world for a minute. When I, I didn't grow up in church, but I did go to church some with my mom and my, grand, my grandmother. And, and at our little church in Tullahoma, um, you know, we had a, a man named Brother Young. Now, now, now Brother Young, I, he liked me, and I, I don't know why, but, but I, I didn't pay attention. I mean, I was 10, man. I didn't pay attention in church. We can't, seriously, I mean, I used, me and Chris Rickman both knew how many, how many uh, planks were on, in, in, on the wall and on the ceiling and that went up. We could, I, one day I said, hey, you ever sit there and count those? He said, 74. And, and, and so, so yeah, we, the, that's how we live. I mean, you're just 10 years old, right? Brother Young, you'd be counting in church, and all of a sudden you'd hear, boom! And, you'd like, and I just thought the guy was mad all the time. I, I just thought, you know, he, that's just... So we had a, a culture, right? We had a church culture of, of preaching in maybe the 1900s to about 1960, 70, where it was this uh, 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 all the time. And I, and I get that. So what did we do? My generation comes along, Right? And we come along and we say, okay, look, I get it. But there's some grace somewhere in this thing. So, you know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking about that. So, so what do we do? We're in the land of the great overcompensators. So now we go all, for the next 30 years, every song's about this, this God, every, every book. Yeah, so much of the sermons are all about this unconditional love of God, which is so true. But guess what happened? We now have... Because we're in a soft culture. We're in a culture that, that it in many ways is soft. And so it creeps into the church. And so now, listen, I'm preaching this. I've been preaching 25 years. And so have a hundred of my buddies across this country. We're saying the same stuff we said 25 years ago. We used to get amens and now we get, you know, termination notices. Why? Because over time, nothing new it happened back then. It happens now. So you got to know your landscape. Know your landscape. In the world that we live in, this world is not my home. So if we do live in a culture that doesn't know what to believe, you got to know the truth. Oh, man, I hope you're listening. Listen to me, especially you people in here, you teenagers. Listen to me. Listen to me. you got to know the truth. It's the only thing you can count on. It's the only thing you can count on. Know the truth. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 14, 4.14. Uh, he says, as a result, meaning growing up in the body of Christ, and now the word of God has come, as a result, we are no longer children tossed here and there by the waves of carried about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, every good thing that feels good and sounds good by the trickery of men and the craftiness in deceitful scheming. You know what Paul said? He said, you used to be little, you gotta grow up, right? Folks, Christians in his day faced that too. I told you that I do get to see a lot of different church contexts across our country. And I'm going to tell you what I believe is one of the top three reasons that our church in America is so confused along with our culture. You know why? Because most of our churches today are filled with people that are biblically illiterate. Biblically illiterate. Now, that doesn't mean, I didn't say you weren't smart. In fact, this doesn't even apply to anybody in this room. All right? I'm talking about people in Alabama, all right? 
Um, so my wife grew up in Alabama. I can say that. Um, no. But the reality is that we live in a soundbite, 128-character world. You can't get to Jesus through a tweet as far as depth goes. You just can't. God didn't design it that way. You're, you're going to have to open this thing up because listen to me, you guys. I, I want you to, gosh, I, I want you to understand something. We, we live now in a culture. And th- listen, if you don't think this is relevant, I'm telling you it is. First of all, let's take a biblically illiterate culture. Gen X, my generation was the first generation that sociologists, my undergrads in sociology, my, my, my generation is the first generation that we could say officially had zero understanding of the scriptures. Okay, sociologists line up on that. So you got this biblically illiterate culture that the, the word wasn't passed down very well. And so now we're raising kids, okay, and most of my generation doesn't go to church, doesn't, isn't around it, doesn't know it, but yet you've got a media that is 24-7 telling you what you should believe, telling you what you should feel, telling you what is hipster with, you know, dress and clothes. I can't, I stopped trying to keep up with that a long time ago. All right? I just quit even trying. Let me tell you, the media is leaning constantly. So guess what happens? In a biblically illiterate world where, where most even Christians don't really understand and haven't taken the time to dig into the word of God, so what happens? So now they're, they're not really reading this thing and they're not really getting it and so they don't because they don't really value it or they just come to church, but they really don't ever, in the, even in the church world, they don't ever really take an ownership of the scriptures, but yet they're being told 24-7 what they should believe. And then what happens? You lean on that thing. What's the old axiom? How do you turn an aircraft carrier in the ocean? Constant pressure on a small rudder. Constant pressure on a small rudder. Just keep the pressure. So then you wake up with a teenage generation that it was raised in the church going, well, I mean, I, I guess it's okay that if a guy and a girl want to live together before marriage, I mean, who's to say? I, mean, I don't really, how can that be wrong? How do you get there? How do you get there to where people say, well, I mean, I don't want to be unloving. And I don't want to be mean. Because see, what you're being told by a media that is relentless is that un- unless you are tolerant, you're a bigot, you're, un- you're hateful. I love this one, you're uneducated, right? No, listen to me, friends. Please hear me. There has never been a time in the history of the world, and there never will be, that God will ordain pop culture as his mouthpiece. Did you hear me? He didn't. He didn't. Does that mean that it's all bad? No, we we, we live in a great world. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, indoor plumbing, cell phones, you know, airplanes, Play, you know, it's cool stuff. I mean, there's a lot, so much good in this world. But let me tell you, the older I get, the older I get, my tolerance for deception is waning quickly. Quickly. I told a friend of mine the other day, this is a true story. We were, we were t- talking about something. I said, dude, let me ask you something. I mean, seriously. Just, do you ever find yourself now just saying stuff? Like, 
if the clerk's arrogant at, you know, Starbucks, not Jen's Starbucks, no, not that one, but you ever find yourself at, if they act ugly, you just find, you know, 10 years ago, you just thought it, and now you find, oh my gosh, I just said that to her. Or if somebody in, in a corporate meeting is, is, is being a moron, and you're like, dude, why are you being stupid? And when, 10 years ago, I said, man, he said, yes. I said, man, when we get to be 65, we're going to be out of control. <laughs> and now it lets me know. I mean, now I understand why old people, they ain't got time for stupid. They just, look, no, that's dumb. I ain't doing it. My days are numbered here, right? Let me tell you, the older I get, my tolerance for deception is gone. Because I care about my friends and I care about you. And I don't have the kind of time for people to deceive me. Paul said, watch, I just read it to you, watch out for people with empty words. Empty words. See, let me tell you how this plays out in our culture, right? So you're being told by a media 24-7 that you should be tolerant. Well, let me tell you, let's talk about the definition of tolerance for a second. I said this 20 years ago. In pulpits, anybody that would take me out, I said, the Christian church, 20 years ago I said it, has no idea what's coming at us with this idea of tolerance. At the time, it was religious tolerance. It was, well, Jesus can't be the only way to heaven. I mean, come on, that's not really loving. I mean, and, and that kind of thing. Let me tell you something, friends. Listen to me. Let me tell you what tolerance means. By definition, tolerance just means this. It means that I can have a neighbor who's a Buddhist and we can grill burgers together. Like each other. I'm not trying to burn his house down. He's not trying to burn down mine. I like him. My kids play together. That's tolerance. Tolerance means that, you know, you can be a Steve Spurrier fan, you know, or you can like Nick Saban. And I can still talk to you. And we can have fellowship in the name of Jesus. Only in the name of Jesus, but in the name of Jesus. And, and so, no, so what does it mean? Tolerance means that we can just coexist. That is not what tolerance has become. Have you ever noticed that people who are all about tolerance are the most intolerant group of people you've ever met? Because they, they don't tolerate you at all unless you abide unless you endorse. Tolerance now means that I can live any way I want to live and you can never tell me I'm wrong. And if you do, oh, you're just a hater. You're just a hater. Really? That's like me going to my Dr. Brian Scott. And Brian told me my cholesterol was high and I'm about 30 pounds overweight. And you know what I said to him? You better get your lawyer. You have hurt my feelings and I'm telling you right now. I, that is wrong. Who are you to tell me? Right? Let me tell you why I'm 30 pounds overweight, people. Because little Debbie is not my friend. All right? That woman will look at you and she'll smile at you, but she will hurt you. All right? That's why. That's why. Right? No. It's, it's, but, but our culture's moving to a place in life to where now, if I even have the audacity to tell you that that's not right, you can't, you can't do that. Listen, people, life is full. Let me tell you why tolerance isn't in the heart of God. Because, hear me, tolerance will never, ever, ever get you to the cross. It'll never get you to the cross. Because in the theology of tolerance, repentance doesn't exist. Repentance doesn't exist. It can't because you're okay. You're okay. September 2nd, 1990, 
in a little church. I went and met a preacher about 12, 15 after service. Talked to him a little bit about this faith and I was lost as last year's Easter egg and he set me down and he, and in about 10 minutes, I specifically remember looking in the eyes of Jerry and I said, Jerry, if I'm here, I was 18 years old. I said, if I'm hearing you right, if I died today, I'd go to hell. He said, yes, you would. And I'm so glad that that man loved me enough to tell me the truth because I had to repent. God loved me and cared about me, but tolerance. Listen, you guys, listen to me. Jesus will never, God will never call you to be tolerant of anything that it took the death of his son in order to redeem it. That's heresy. That's heresy. And don't you believe it? Keep it simple. Know your landscape. Know the truth. Know the truth. And Look, I mean, this has got ramifications. I get it. But God has called us. That, that's the picture, I think, of where we're called to be right now. Right? That, that's the picture of who we're called to be. We're called to be people that are willing to walk out on our own. That, that's what... That's what he said here the whole time. And when people get mad at that, well, you're, you're just ugly. No, the problem is you gotta, look, you got to boil that down. Now listen to me. God's never, you got to know your calling. God has never called you to be mean and ugly, okay? God's never called you. We do not need righteous theological jerks in the form of Facebook, all right? And in any case you didn't know, nobody on Facebook gives you the whole story. Right? We just post stuff. We post stuff about somebody we didn't like and 87 of our friends said, well, they're just a moron. Right? We don't ever know the whole story. You know, God has not called you. There's real people that live in social media and every time you say something, that's a real soul, man. I mean, be careful with what you do. and be God has never called you to be a theological jerk. But let me tell you, you're not being arrogant, pompous, unrighteous, unloving. You're never doing that, telling people the truth. The truth. Biblical love, biblical love. Pop culture love tells you to tolerate everything. Biblical love says, no, I love you too much for you to go another day thinking that you can live this way as an embezzler in your company and it's not gonna hurt your family. Biblical love says, no, you can't cheat on your wife and think that it's, it's just, you just had a bad moment, right? No. Biblical love says, let me tell you something. Biblical love cares enough to confront my daddy, whip my hind end. Yes. My daddy, I grew up in the 70s, dude. Those weren't belts. Those were razor straps with Mickey Gilly buckles. And, 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 and they would hit you from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. My daddy wore me out at times because my daddy was a big believer that pain and bad decisions always go together. <laughs> always. Yeah. I don't even remember getting a spanking after I was at six years old. I didn't need it. I just got, boy, translation, stop moving. You might live, you might not, but you got a better chance. Yeah, my, can you imagine in not? Can you imagine in 1972 
trying to explain the concept of time out to my daddy. <laughs> Hold on a minute. You talk to him when he hits the truck with a baseball bat? I ain't doing that. Okay. No, my, my, listen, you know why I'm so glad my daddy spanked me? Because my daddy loved me so much that he didn't want me to grow up thinking that sin didn't have consequences. Because here's what my daddy understood. Son, you're going to grow up to be a man someday. And I can't spank you when you're 43, but you make a bonehead decision, life's going to spank you. And when it does, it's going to hurt you so much more than anything I ever did. Bad decisions and pain actually do go together, don't they? Yeah. The reality is you've got to know your calling. You guys, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Don't turn there, just listen. I just want you to hear it. Ephesians 5. He's talking about, he's begging them, you've come out of this old life and now you're in this new life. Walk like you're supposed to walk. And he says in verse six, chapter five, let no one deceive you with empty words. Let's just stop right there. Young people, listen to me. If any of your friends say something to you, you just do this. Well, does it line up or does it not? Because if it doesn't, man, I'm not doing it. Because when you graduate, you're gonna find out pretty quick like I did that I didn't see 99.87% of any of the people that I thought mattered in this world. And I was faced with a world where I was on my own and I had to make my own decisions. Paul says in 5, 6, let no one deceive you with empty words because the wrath of God's coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't, it'll hurt you. For you were formerly, here we go again, compare and contrast. Verse 8, chapter 5, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light. Biblical love. Know your calling. When you're faced with a culture, keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. Know the landscape. You guys, none of this is new to God. It just kind of is new to us. Know the, but know the truth. Know the truth. And the truth is this. The truth is that you can count. Aren't you glad that there is a God looking down on you and me today that loved you enough to say, let me tell you something, man. In 2016, it's going to get pretty stinking weird. All right? And you're not going to know what to believe all the time about how to raise your kids or how to spend your money and all that. So listen, I'm going to give you something that's going to be true north. True north. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Know your landscape. Know the truth and don't bend on it. See, here's the, the deal is this book bends me. I don't get to bend it. I don't get to bend it. I was in a cohort one time, uh, I finished my education at Fuller. I'm living proof you can get your doctorate on extra credit. Um, I did. I ain't proud. And at Fuller, there was all these amazing minds. And in my cohorts, it'd be in California. Now, that in and of itself is funny. You've heard me talk, right? So here, here comes Jason strolling up into Pasadena. You know, how y'all? You know, so we're, we're in this cohort one time, and usually this was the case this time. There was a couple of Anglicans from England. There was a couple of Australians, a couple of Koreans. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I loved it. This is ecumenical. I, it's, it was, that's a big word for everybody that kind of comes together. And um, it, it, it was really cool. But we got off on this verse one time in 1 Timothy, 
And these dudes were going around talking about, well, I, I don't think that's really accurate. You know, I, I don't think that, that verse really applies to today. And I listened for a while. And I said, boys, can, can we just stop a second and consider something? In this room, there's a lot of things we don't know, but when it comes to theology, we're pretty educated. My Greek professor was fluent in 13 languages. He was world-renowned as a Greek interpreter of the New Testament, world-renowned. And even he said, I am a rank amateur. So guys, has it occurred to you that we're sitting here looking at the holy canon of God? The 66 books that he said are true north. And somehow we are talking about whether it applies and whether it's actually true or not. I said, fellas, do you understand the level of arrogance it takes to make that statement? This book bends me. I don't get to bend it. It shapes me. I don't shape it. It tells me how to be a daddy. It tells me what to do with my money. It tells me that I should go on missions. It tells me, that all, that it tells me what happens to people that don't know Jesus when they die. It tells me what happens to people that do know Jesus when they do die. It tells me what true north is, and I have to believe it. And Because you guys realize, if, if you don't, then, you're, then you are what Paul said. I love this. He said, uh, let me go back up to one more right there. So what's the, what's, the, what's the antithesis of that verse? If you don't know biblical truth, and if you do listen to just about anything that sounds good, then as a result, you will be children, you will be tossed about with every ways, and you will be carried around with every wind of doctrine, and you'll be a confused mess. A confused mess. I don't, there's a lot about the Lord I don't know, but I tell you what, this Bible, this Bible doesn't answer all my questions, but it answers the most important ones. And I can, I can believe in it. Let me tell you why this matters. Say, Jason, why does this stuff matter? I'll tell you why this matters. Listen, I'm going to tell you why this, at the end of the day, this is why it matters. Because one day, Jesus is coming. And it doesn't matter if I believe that or not. Jesus is coming. I hope I'm riding down 840 listening to a Ray Price song and the sky splits. Right? I mean, yes. I, I, hope, I, I hope I'm in the middle of a stream fly fishing or about to pull the trigger on a mallard and it, it, it explodes, but it wasn't an explosion. It was a sky busting open with Jesus. That would be heaven. That's the way I want to go out, man. Right there, you're right? No. Wouldn't that be cool as I'm thinking about that? The sky splits at the resurrection moment right as I'm pulling the trigger on a green head. That would be <laughs> unbelievable. Let it be in the name of Jesus. So, so Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming whether I want him to come or not. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming whether I believe he's coming or not. Or I'm going to die one day before Jesus comes. Either way, I'm not getting out of this thing without stepping off into eternity. And this is why it matters that you be faithful. Because on the day you die, there ain't a single person on that screen or any other screen that is going to be your judge. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that navigates us to a place where we can 
understand in a world of confusion, what is your way? God, I thank you that you love us and that you are patient. I think that you love us and that you are kind. Most of all, Lord, I thank you that you love us enough that you're holy. You are holy. And you have standards for your people. God, I pray over my friends and brothers and sisters at Conduit. I pray that they will find the hope that is in the simplicity of being obedient to you. I pray that, Lord, that if no other church in Williamson County is faithful, let us be faithful. Let us be tender where we need to be tender. Let us never surrender where we should never surrender. God, I pray that my friends in this room, every young man, every young woman, that they will be that will be ambassadors of light and hope in the classroom and of truth. I pray for every mom struggling with a daughter or a son that you will let her hold fast to the scriptures and never compromise what she expects from her boys and girls. I pray for every daddy, Lord God, that is struggling to figure it out and meet the payroll and do all the things, God, that you will let him never compromise on being a man of biblical character. God, let us at this place be faithful, Lord God faithful until the day that sky splits and our races run it is worth it Lord God I pray that in the name of Jesus Amen